0: No matter where your business is today or where you want to take it, you'll get there faster and more profitably with an operating system. Welcome to Team OS,
1: your guide to starting, growing, and optimizing real estate team. Here's your host, Ethan Butte. This episode of Team OS features Mike Simonson, founder and president of Altos Research. We recorded this together at FubCon, which we both attended live just a few weeks ago. And in this conversation, Mike answers the pressing question, when will we get more inventory? More importantly, he tells a clear and compelling story in giving that answer, and providing that response. He also shares insights into expressing our love for the people we work with and the benefits of doing so, as well as serving our clients more effectively with real-time, active market data instead of trailing data and mainstream headlines. Now, my conversation with Mike Simonson. So to get us going, Mike, what is a must-have characteristic of a high-performing team?
0: Well, so... Alto's research is all about market data and about not just the data but helping professionals communicate about the housing market to the their prospects and clients and former clients and so the the high performing teams my observation is it's not just an ability to talk about the market uh but it is uh it's like a in honesty about the market it's a it's a you know right now the market's slowing down and lesser agents are afraid of that message but the strong ones are like this is what is happening and why that matters to you and and maybe that's why you want to act now or maybe you don't want to act now but now you're my client for life and so the the real strong Agents are and teams are those that not only understand the market but understand how to talk about the market in a powerful way mm-hmm. with their with their clients.
1: Yeah, I hear a number of things in there that I, that I really appreciate. One of them, of course, is honesty, honesty with yourself about what's going on and honesty with other people so we can make a you know an informed decision together. Um, there's an integrity piece in there too, but then there's also this, I need to be up to speed on what's actually going on. Um, and we'll get there because that's what you help a lot of people with. But before we do, talk about leadership for yourself. I mean, you uh, you founded Altos what, 20-ish years ago.
0: 17 years ago.
1: 17, almost 20 years ago. And uh, sorry to push it to another milestone. By the way, congratulations at advance on 20 years at Altos Research. <laughs> Thank you. Um, how has your role as CEO and how has your leadership style changed over that time? Because- You know, there's there's obviously a period of growth. um, Recent um, partnership with HW, and so talk about kind of some of the inflection points along your journey. You know, uh, it's it has been now. It's the bulk of my
0: career has been running Alto's Research, and so the bulk of my personal development has happened while I've been running this company. And um, I have grown. This might surprise you, but I have grown. In my ability to express love to my employees and my customers and that I think has been a powerful uh, driver of our growth of my personal satisfaction with the work every day of, of of resilience of our retention all of those things and and it was a real learning process for me and to go through the typical entrepreneur times, you know, highs and very lows and had to learn about like the power of being able to, uh, use the positive, uh, internal chemical reactions that happen when we do things like express love, uh, in our environment. And, uh, and when we think about the, the difficult times, you know, in running a company, customers and things and reminding yourself that wow i've grown real affection for you know the the people that i get to work with like that is a powerful powerful resilience uh, strength and i think that's a big a big curve that i i went through
1: yeah that's wonderful i love off the top that you paired personal development with your leadership style like that like you can't separate the two but somehow we kind of pretend to uh and then and then also this idea of just being honest with yourself and with other people. And I think there's something super powerful. And this goes to my you know, decade of practicing and teaching video messaging, essentially, in place of typed out messaging. This There's something really powerful. And I'm offering this to you to react to and add to. Um, there's something really powerful for you and for the other person to have you express these things with your whole self. And by that, I mean, with your voice, with your breath, with your energy, with your sincerity, to have it breathed into real life, and I know I sound a little woo here, but it's real. Um, this idea of you expressing it, but not like intellectually understanding it and pecking it into a keyboard or verbally dictating it, although that's a step in the right direction. I, the, what resonated with me about what you offered is that there's just something powerful in it, and it's not just for the other person to hear that appreciation or to hear that care or to hear that concern and all the other forms that love takes, by the way, it's very multidimensional, but um, what connects with you on that?
0: Yeah. The, 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 the opportunity uh, to benefit from that frame of mind and that communication style is what, what we what I've learned is that my internal internal motivation changes. And as a leader, it's so much of the, the time is like, I've got to make sure my I bring I bring the right energy to the room, and I uh, get, do my creative output that that guides so much of the work we do. And but if my internal motivation falls, that creative output falls, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, so then doing things like you know being there, present, and interested, those things are both the internal uh, benefit as well as external benefit.
1: Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about Altos high level for folks that aren't super familiar, um, original data, valuable data, data productized into a storytelling platform. Just give a quick drive by on and then we can kind of press into some of the details as as we kind of push into a direction. I think everyone wants to hear, which is when we're getting more inventory. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so Altos Research at Altos, we track every home for sale in the country every week and we do all the pricing all the supply and demand all the changes in that data and we bubble up those analytics every week for every zip code in the country uh for people who care about such things so you know half of our business is with the the realtors and brokers and teams uh people who need to communicate about the market to their clients every day and we do that via market reports and branded you know white label branded for you to reach your clients with your market report for your part of town um and and you know market data is always fresh there's always a story in it uh people care everybody has an opinion and so they the emails get really high open rates like that kind of thing and the other half of our business actually an enterprise data license business so Big companies that do things like AVMs or rental valuations they use our data or home builders use our data to understand if you have exposure to the to the real estate market in the u s you might get like big buy big data files from us so both of those constituents care about what's happening in the market right now mm-hmm. and sometimes we just package it up as you know big data files and sometimes we do it as you know, individual, it's email marketing, it's putting, you know, Ethan's market report in their inbox every Monday, while we have your house listed, I'm gonna put this in your inbox every Monday. And I want you to keep your eye on one number so that we know if, you know, if your house is still listed and the market's
1: changing, like that That kind of power is what we what we go for. Awesome. Now my question, when are we getting more inventory? <laughs> so inventory is the big question. Hey, we'll get right back to this conversation in a matter of seconds, but I've got two quick things for you. First, thank you so much for listening to Real Estate Team OS. Our goal is to bring you a variety of stories, ideas, strategies, and hard-learned lessons to help you grow your business profitably. Second, if you've not yet signed up for weekly emails, you should do that. Just go to realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. You'll get email-exclusive insights and guest previews every week, subscriber-only episodes as they release, and instant access to two subscriber-only episodes immediately. Again, it's all at realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. Now, back to the episode. And um, so
0: what's fascinating is it's now late September when we're recording this, and inventory is climbing the last few weeks uh, as interest rates have climbed and the market is kind of slowing uh, on the demand side. And so uh, we have been getting a one and a half to 2% inventory increase in late September, which is very unusual. Usually inventory peaks um, end of August or earlier in August. And so the the rule of thumb, the, the Altos rule I've been calling it, there's a conventional wisdom that as soon as mortgage interest rates fall, we'll get some more listings. People are too uh, they're they're locked in. And the conventional wisdom is that when rates fall, we get more we'd get more listings. However, the data shows the opposite is true, that it's actually higher rates leads to greater inventory, and lower rates leads to less inventory. So if rates were to, are gonna, if rates fall, we're at seven and a half percent right now, if they fall next year to into the sixes, we can expect that uh, inventory is going to fall again as well. And it boils down to holding costs. like if it's more expensive to hold real estate, I sell it more often and I hold less. If rates fall, it's cheaper to hold my properties, so I'm going to hold more and hoard more. So, you know, in 2020, rates fell dramatically and inventory fell dramatically. Last year, rates spiked dramatically, inventory spiked dramatically. And right now, uh, rates are climbing and inventory is climbing. So over the next few years, rates stay higher for longer. You can expect inventory to build up some. If rates fall back down, we're gonna go back into that tight, tight inventory environment. If uh, economy slows, the economy slows and we get people lose their jobs, then. will you eventually will see some distressed inventory like i haven't i lose my job i can't make my mortgage payment but that's probably 2025 inventory uh if the job loss recession starts now and if it doesn't we're still really high full employment uh if it doesn't start now then it's still much further out before we see things like that um and uh, there is some hypothesis that maybe investors or like Airbnb hosts would be selling properties. Uh, maybe they're panicking because the, the Airbnbs aren't making as much money. Uh, we haven't seen any sign of that inventory anywhere in the market. It's a hypothesis maybe that it comes, but so far uh, in general, investors aren't selling, Airbnb hosts aren't selling, like, it's, it is
1: pretty much across the board. We're still holding up. Mm-hmm. And thank you for that. By the way, one of the reasons I wanted to ask is of course, is a question people probably want to ask you or have been wanting to ask recently in that particular form. I asked it, but also as an illustration of storytelling with the numbers, right? No one cares about the number. Well, they kind of, they do, but not nearly as much as what does the number mean? So, um, how would you advise? Like, I feel like obviously you've been doing this for 17 years. Uh, You were driven by personal passion to develop this data for yourself. It's a fascinating story. And, but the average agent, I feel like uh, should be basically able to do not with the same clarity or the same speed um, or even the same conviction as you were able to do there. um, But, have you seen agents get successful at storytelling beyond like your product delivering for them? How, I just feel like this would be really useful for a lot of people and for the, for the markets in general, for more people to be able to speak approximately in that way. Yeah. Um, and probably even in a more local manner. Um, talk about any successes you've seen in that direction. Yeah,
0: there, there's uh first of all, I think when agents are, starting with the data and they're thinking about telling the story with the data communicating every week or maybe once a month about the data um i think one of the hurdles is that we we think about like what's the big message what's what's it telling and of course if i don't see it now i'm afraid to tell the story it gets hard right uh and and so one of the lessons is you can literally start by reading the data there are 49 house single family homes for sale in town right now. That's down four from last week. Like, you don't, the the story kind of emerges. You don't even, you don't have to offer opinions, except that maybe you go, man, I was hoping it would climb by now, but it ticked down because there are more buyers than sellers. And so, um, you don't have to, you don't have to do big conclusions. Like, it is a compelling story. To read the numbers and tell people what's there, home prices are here. They that ticked up from last week. Um, you know the days on market is still lower than it has been any time except during the pandemic craziness at 24 days or whatever the the, the mix is. And so, um, so one of the so one of the great ways to start doing it is just to read the numbers, and and it can be very powerful. And you can actually do that in the script when you're on the phone with a with a client like you you I don't know if you know this but there's only 14 homes for sale right now and you just work it right into the into the conversation and it's a point of expertise it is a point of clarity and it's a value add and it's you know the, all of those things and somebody says wow I didn't know that or I hear inventory's climbing or the market's tanking you say well actually the you know prices changed last year but this year, prices have been holding up because there's so little supply. Those kind of things that you can come in. And, and um, I have other specifics, too. Uh, Lee Brown is a, an agent in, in uh, Charlotte, and she has this wonderful technique where she um, uh, takes the market report into the listing presentation, and she says, are you a big geek or a little geek? Because if you're a big geek, I'm going to put this report yeah. in your inbox every Monday and you're going to look out, you're going to look at all the numbers and you're going to geek out it. But even if you're just a little geek, I'm going to put this in your, in your inbox and I just want you to look at one number. You don't have to worry about medians and means and, and you don't have to, I want you to look at one number. And so in that case, what Lee's doing is saying, I'm the expert, I'm the resource that has it, and the data is going to tell the story to you. The market is going to tell you what's going on, not me. And Lee doesn't have to interpret it. Then Lee gets a call going. Hey, Lee, I've been looking at this report every Monday. My house is listed, and this number's falling. Like maybe we need to do a price reduction. Mm-hmm. Like the, She and she hasn't had to. Like she's seeded that expertise and let the 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 buy, the seller make their own decision. So that's a really powerful. So are you are you a big
1: geek or a little geek? Yeah, really good. And uh, and it also yeah, just look right here. This is what you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll speak to it from there. I feel like uh, I also appreciate your, you know, you don't need to have a take. You don't need to have an opinion. Right. And you definitely don't need to have a hot take. And and this is all trends, right? Like this is none of the stuff turns on a dime. I mean, I think when rates shot up, you know, I don't remember how long ago that was now. Several months, like a year ago-ish. I don't know. It's like a year and a half ago.
0: You, there was so yeah rates jumped up a, a year and a half ago and then again in september of last year mm-hmm. and they jumped from like six and a half to seven to seven and a half yeah. and the market turned very quickly at that point mm-hmm. and we you can see it in some of the numbers in like the altos reports for example we could see in late september of last year inventory went from starting to decline to started climbing mm-hmm. in you know one week or price reductions started ticking up and uh and so if you are doing market report videos every week, you could, you could say we saw an increase in inventory this week. We saw an increase in, in price reductions. It's still in the normal range, but, uh, it's ticking up mm-hmm. and that, you know, so that means if
1: you're a buyer, here's what that means. Yeah. I love that practice as, uh, as an accountability habit to yourself to pay attention to what like, that's it. Like, how do we make this a habit so that I'm, that I'm learning the learning what to add to the story because it's an ongoing story. It doesn't start it before you were in the business. It's going to continue after you're in the business. It's an ongoing story. So how do we yeah. tell that in a consistent manner so that we are always in touch with it? I think that's a great accountability piece. Um, talk about really quickly the value of real-time data. I think that's a unique, I don't know that it's wholly unique to what you're doing, but in general, it's a, it's a it's a distinguishing feature of what you're doing. And you mentioned a little bit off the top, but I think it's worth kind of doubling down on. I think a lot of the data that we look at is um, what happened and what happened some period of time ago. Yeah, And that's not not useful, but there's something distinctly useful about real-time data. So I'd love for you to give a quick go at that. Yeah, traditional real estate data
0: is released monthly. And if you're thinking about
1: sales data,
0: it's, it might be several months old by the time it gets to you. And so, you know, house is on the market now in September. It gets an offer in October. It closes in November or December. And you start hearing about that in December or January, right? But I can tell you right now what's going on. And that's actually why at Altos we focus on the active market. We focus on the asking prices and the, the active inventory and which ones are doing price reductions because there is so much signal in that. And, you know, your buyers and sellers are watching the headlines, which are months old. And so it happened like at the beginning of this year, like the fourth quarter of last year was ice cold. Everybody knew it. Transactions stopped. And then all of a sudden in January, uh, people started buying again. And by late January, middle of February, we're like, inventory is falling every week. Uh, It has not started increasing yet. Sometimes it's very common in normal years for inventory to start increasing between the second and third week of January. It's now end of February. It's into March. Inventory was still falling. We had more buyers and sellers. But if you're watching the headlines, you're still getting fourth quarter data Mm -hmm. and it's Armageddon. Mm -hmm. And so watching that real-time data is really important. Now, right now, it's kind of shifting the other way. And so you know your buyers and sellers may be making decisions based on previous data and so um you know we can see like rates are climbing and uh they've climbed now to multi-decade highs uh as we speak right now and and so um like that is it, we can we can see that the impact uh, uh, that it's happening in some some of those places and so having that right now is what's really the powerful conversation
1: mm-hmm. yeah you also highlighted uh an interesting thing for a lot of folks too because i know this is a challenge for team leaders and for agents is how do we speak to the mainstream media and the mainstream headlines which are you know based on trailing data um and and there, i think there's something to be learned by following both and being able to speak about the gap between those and in fact there's something about studying the gap between those all the time that will allow you probably to look forward with a little bit more confidence and a little bit more um you just it's just a better informed projection,
0: yeah, and you know your your buyers and sellers or your prospects they they're not wrong, yeah, right, and so it's not about making them wrong or it's but it's like yes, that's what happened a few months ago and and right, <laughs> yes, and this yeah. is what's happening right now, and we can see and if you want to make an offer, if like, you want to buy a house, you know, we're you're looking at the highest demand segment of the market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, homes are taking longer to sell, but in your price range, they're moving in 21 days. Yeah. If you want this house, we need to make an offer.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Mike, this has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you making time for it. And before I let you go, I would love for you to share either your favorite team, besides the Altos team, or the best team you've ever been a member of, besides the Altos team? Uh, that's, a, that's a great uh, question. I,
0: I, when you ask, I, I think about, when I came to Silicon Valley, uh, when I was like 29 years old, 28, 29 years old, um, it was uh, 1998, two bubbles ago, uh, and Silicon Valley was a rocket ship at that time. Early internet, and I had the opportunity to work for a startup uh led by this guy by the name of Jim Getz. And Jim uh yeah, was the like maybe the best leader I've seen. And he was a he was technically competent and he was powerful in front of customers and he was a like the 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 team, the startup team. And when a venture-funded startup is working right, it's magical. And it was working right under Jim and jim subsequently went on to he is the for a while is the number one venture capitalist in the world he was the only investor in whatsapp and like he was he's the real deal and i watched people just his he, he would go fund a company and there would be a whole bunch of the world's best engineers would go okay i'll go work there and and so i got an opportunity to work for jim in that company for 2 years and it was random luck you know a friend said you should come get on this rocket ship and i got on And I learned about leadership and I learned about shipping technology products. And I learned about, you know, teamwork and all of the things. And it was, you know, it was like, I just lucked into it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Appreciate you sharing that. Mike, thank you so much. Hope you have a great rest of your day. And I appreciate you sharing this perspective with us. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks for checking out this episode of Team OS. For email exclusive insights every week, sign up at realestateteamos.com.